What's going on, man? We here. We finally done it. It's finally, finally happening. That's right, your boy Jay Holly. We are finally doing this, man. Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. You already know what it is. The sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. Man, I am so excited about this. This has been a long, long, long time coming. It is, um, it is one of these things where <laughs> in your mind, you begin to have these thoughts of what you want to do, how you want to do things, where you want to do things, the topics you want to talk about. And then there's this, this pause, right? It's life. This thing about life just happens. And, and for me, it's, it's all over the place. You guys know me. I'm, 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 I'm everywhere, right? And, and you never really kind of do the thing that you want to do. And it took me a while to get this place. My, uh, my partner, uh, Taylor, with Fanatic Views, he's been back and forth with me all the time. Like, come on, man. We need to get you on this podcast. We need to, we need to get your show. We need to get your show. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, over time, you just, you say, yeah, you say, yeah, you say, yeah, and things never happen. And I'm here to tell you, just do it. If there's anyone who is listening today, um, this is show one. This is show one for Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. And I can tell you, there is no right time. There is no right setup. There is no right promotion. There is no right background. There is no right filter. There is no right outfit. There is no right anything. Do it. I am here a living proof. And you guys know I always keep it real. That's why it's called unfiltered because I hold no punches. And I'm, I'm here to tell you if there's that thing you're thinking about. And maybe it's not podcasting. Maybe it's not. I know I'm, I'm going to get into sports. I promise you I am. But maybe it's not podcasting. Uh, maybe it's cooking, maybe it's baking, maybe it's sewing, maybe it's cutting grass. I don't give a damn what it is. Do it. Do it. You'll feel better about yourself. You'll feel better. And if it fails, if it's, if it's the most successful thing in the world or if it bombs out, you did it. You took the chance. You, you got off the porch. You stepped off the boat. You've given yourself a chance to do something that you would love to do that makes you happy. And I don't think enough people actually do that. And so I'm here today because I wanted to make me happy and I wanted to give you just the unfiltered version of me as I, as I go through this journey. And so I thank you all. So like, subscribe, do all those cute things that we have to do now in this world of social media and podcasting. So tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that your boy Jay Holly is here unfiltered man we're going to be here every week multiple times a week so just make sure that you're tuned in locked in with me and 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 take this journey with me and if i if i if you get anything out of this if you get football information basketball information life information i want you to get out of this that you can that you can don't be shook don't be scared just do it okay now that we got that out the way, man, we're going to get into this thing. Uh, Cowboys just had uh, their second preseason game this past Saturday. They played the Seahawks. And, you know, you go into these games and you're always thinking to yourself, after every single play, everybody get up. All 22 guys. It, it, not just your team, but the other team. You always think it to yourself, get up. 
I want all guys to get up. I won't want. I don't want to see trainers. I don't want to see Jim Maurer and Britt Brown and Dr. Cooper running out to the field. Everyone just gets up. And so they played this game against Seattle. And, and, and preseason is always about evaluation. I want to see what these guys can do, how these guys can make football teams. Because contrary to some people's belief, front office, scouting department, head coach, and all those people, they have everything already kind of figured out for the most part. They, they have this thing. They, they, if there's a 53-man roster, I promise you that they know 40, 42, maybe 43, 45 spots already. You know, your quarterbacks, your running backs, your, those. So now it's the evaluation of those other guys who they may not have seen much of, maybe second-year guys. And you look at a guy like Jalen Tober, who's taking that second-year jump, coming to this game, has a, uh, uh, some big catches in this game, and you see him taking that next step, and they're saying, yes, finally, we're getting the Jalen Tober that we saw in college that we decided to take a third round, which is relatively high, a third round draft pick on uh, uh, Jalen Tolbert. But then there's these other guys that come and, and, and maybe later draft or free agents guys, and I was one of the guys who was a free agent, but you begin to see the progress. And one of the guys who didn't get up after the play, one of the guys who had to have the trainers come out and see him was Demarion Overshow. And it sucks. Uh, he, in this game, tours ACL. He, and along with another guy they call Stretch, John Stephen Jones, who plays tight end slash receiver hybrid, they both told their ACL in this game. That means they'll be done for the year. And it's, it's, it's a lot for Overshown because he was a guy who was having a fantastic camp. You talk to all the coaches. You talk to to Mike McCarthy, you talk to Dan Quinn, you talk to all the position players and all the teammates, and you you, you hear his name every single week, watching him in auction art, watching him uh, you know, in the preseason games, and this is a guy who is jumped off the screen. And you want those guys who are jumping off the screen and saying, that guy stands out. This guy is a guy who we, we, we can add to our roster and can have that, that game day availability. Because when you look at what the NFL has become now, right, running backs are more – they're more pass catchers now. Tight ends look more like receivers. So I want to be able to have a guy who I can put out there who can go sideline to sideline, cover backs, cover tight ends, be an integral part of special teams. And Overshone was showing that. He was showing that. He was showing that he had the ability to do all those things. And it's unfortunate that these things happen. I know people, we, we, we have the, the contingency of people, and, and I'm the old fart. I get it. I'm the old fart that's on the lawn, and I'm I'm shaking my cane at people that I'm saying, play preseason games. Let the veterans – that's me. That's me. I'm a former player. I'm always going to be for the player, but I also understand that getting out there playing is necessary. You need to have those reps. You just – this stuff is unfortunate. Sorry, but football is a 100% hurt business. You find me – one NFL player who can say that they've played this game at this level, at the NFL level, and hadn't been hurt, now significantly how you got hurt, that's, 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 that's all semantics, right? That's all give or take here and there. But this is the hurt business. And so anytime you step across that white lines, those white lines, and you step into the, the 100 by 53 and a half, there's a possibility that you can get hurt. And it's, you, you pray it's never your guy. 
You do. That, that, is, the, that is the ultimate prayer. If, if there is a religious coach in the world, he's praying, one, for my quarterback never to get hurt, and then my other guys never to get hurt. But they also understand this is a hurt business. Well, that's why Will McClay has a job. That's why guys like that, you know, front office people have jobs and scouts have jobs because it's their responsibility to go out there and to find more people, more players to, to play. Uh, and, and, again, it sucks. It does. I, I, there's nothing else to say about it, but it happens. It's going to happen in this sport 100% of the time. It's been happening way before we started watching football. It's going to be happening way longer after we stop watching football. That's just the nature of the beast. And, and, and for Overshawn, who young player, young talented player out of Texas, he was, he was coming on. He was coming on, but now he has an opportunity to, I, I think sometimes, and even for young players, it's the, the mental reps. So he'll be around, and the good ones, the good ones who have injuries like this, um, the good ones figure it out. The good ones stay around the locker room. They do their treatment, and, and the Cowboys with Dr. Cooper have one of the best, with Britt Brown has one of the best. He's going to get this guy, and he's young. That's an important thing. He's young so that he's going to be able to, um, to, 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 to get back in there and, 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 and help these guys. And, and be able to maybe see some things, even as a rookie, being able to process the information, right? Sit in those meeting rooms, allow that information to kind of soak in, absorb, watch practices, watch the games, get with Micah, get with Leighton Van Der Esch, get with, with Damone Clark, get with Dan Quinn, as long as Dan Quinn will be here. I know you guys are saying, Jesse, you always say that. I'm just saying, Dan Quinn, he may not always be here. He may not always be here. I thought he was going last year, but he, he came back. He might not always be here. Those head coaching jobs will keep coming up every single year. And I think this year, again, I know it's a little sidebar, this defense is going to be good. This defense is going to be really good. It really is going to be really, really, really good. And so they'll come calling for Dan Quinn again. But Dan Quinn will have the year, and Overshawn will have the year to, to sit and talk and, and to learn from all the veterans around, and, and I hope that this gives them an opportunity. And, and oddly enough, ACLs aren't what they used to be, right? ACLs 20, 30 years ago, your career was done. You're finished. Modern technology and modern medicine and, and just the advancement of what we have now gives you an opportunity to come back from these things. And I'm not going to say better, because you don't get better. Anytime a doctor cuts you open, you don't get better. You get, you, you, you get back to functioning, but you don't get better. I just not, any, anytime you have to cut something open, when you go to the mechanic to get something fixed in your car, your car doesn't get better. It just gets functional, right? It, it just gets functional because that part is only delayed to the next part that's going to break down. So he's not going to get better, but he can get better mentally. He can learn more about the game and then come back and put those pieces together mentally and physically and then be able to go out there and, and do what he does. Um, one guy who's not hurt, and despite his size, you would think, man, this guy's going to get hurt. He just keeps showing up. He keeps showing up week in and week out. 
Um, even from draft day, he, he has a he, he has a he has a Netflix story. Five foot five, five foot six, five. What is he? Five foot seven or something like that. Right. The Cowboys draft him in the sixth round. His daddy works for the organization, and I know most of you are going to say, Jesse, you're a hater. That's what you do. You're always hating. But but Deuce Vaughn has been continuously showing the world that despite my size, I'm actually a player. Some of y'all say that about your sex life, that despite your size, you're actually a player. I don't know. <laughs> Some women even say it's not about, it ain't about the size of the ship, about the motion in the ocean. And that's what Deuce Vaughn has. Deuce Vaughn has the motion in the ocean. He's able to hit those spots and make you moan and crow and scream and holler. Yeah, Deuce. He may not get all the inches, but he has what it takes to go out there and make the crowd go, ow. That's what you want. You want the crowd to go, ow. And one thing I'll say about Deuce Vaughn and, and the player that he is, I think, I think Deuce Vaughn has great vision. I really do. I think he has great vision. And, and, and for someone that size, you know, being able to duck behind those linemen and then reappear, right? It's like he, it's like a magician. He, he disappears and then, boom, second level, he reappears. Um, his vision is incredible. His explosiveness is incredible. And I think those combinations uh, make for a good back. Now, the, the thing that I always press people to hold on, pump your brakes, hold on, is everyone wants to make him RB2. Everyone wants to say that this guy is RB2. I'm saying, wait a minute. There's a lot that goes into this whole thing of being RB2. There's a lot that goes into saying that you're now going to split the carries with the starting running back. And I think the days of Emmitt Smith, the days of Edron James, the days of Marshall Fox, the days of uh, uh, running backs, Jerome Bettis, the three down backs, I think those days are dead. I don't think. I know those days are dead. You have some still left in this arena. But for the most part, those days are dead. That's not, that's not. And then on top of that, they don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay the running back. So when you look at what Deuce Vaughn is facing, he right, the size matters. Because if you if you if if Deuce Vaughn took everything that he is right now, all the skill sets, his burst, his vision, his his elusiveness, if he took all of that right now and you made him 5'11. You made him six foot. Hell, you made him 5'10. He goes three rounds ahead of where you went this year. So size does matter. There, there is a prejudice to the small. Shout out to the short kings out there. I'm not a part of that community. God saw fit to make me six foot three and change. Sorry, not sorry. But shout out to my short kings. You guys matter, okay? I'm not hating on y'all. There's no prejudice from Jay Holly. There's no prejudice from me. I love y'all. I love the short kings, okay? But there is a prejudice when it comes to doing things in the athletic world that is dominated by big people. I don't care what, I mean, baseball is the exception, 
right? That, that's the exception because you got guys like Altuve who can go out there and do what he does at that size. And a lot of those guys, you don't see him. You see him on TV, you don't realize how small they really are. Some of those guys, you don't realize how big they really are. Some of the big players, they fat. They don't know how to shit, but, they, but they, they jacking bombs out of the stadium. But in football, there is a prejudice. It's that way with quarterbacks. I know that we're kind of changing up, but, I mean, ain't a bunch of Doug Fluties running around here. Ain't a bunch of Kyler Murray's running around here. They still prefer your quarterback to be a little bit taller, to have a little bit more size to you. Um, but at the running back position, you're talking about being 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, now he's thick, 180 pounds. But this is not college. And I want people to realize that. This is not – I don't care who he played against. He ain't played against Alabama every week. And for the most part, I'll, 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 I'll bet – I'll bet lunch money to anybody that you take your worst NFL team, whoever that may be. Alabama ain't beating them. If they played 10 times out of 10, maybe Alabama may squeak a field goal out, but probably not. They lose. If you take your Houston Texans, you take your Browns, you take your Jaguars, whatever team that you deem in the National Football League that is poo, boo-boo juice, Alabama ain't beating them. USC ain't beating them. Oklahoma ain't beating them. All these, all these teams that people say that Deuce Vaughn went out there and dominated against, he ain't playing them 17 weeks out of the season. Remember, you're playing the you're you're playing the best Alabama players, right? Now, if you took all of Alabama's best players and put them on a team, okay, cool. But that's not what he's playing against. In this league, he's playing against the best of the best. Do I think he has a role? Yeah. Do I think his role is RB two? I don't know about that. I, I just I and, and and I've I've said this since he's gotten to the Cowboys, and especially during his preseason the training camp. When they start believing, I'll start believing. I look at preseason reps, and for a guy, you, you see last week, well, two weeks ago, it was Malik Davis got the start. Last week, it was Rico Dotto, uh, uh got the start. I don't know what it's going to be this week um, coming up against the Raiders, but in both of those games, Duke Vaughn got second-half snaps. A lot of those guys in those second-half snaps, those third, that late third quarter, fourth quarter, are guys who are probably going to make the roster. Now, you got to deal with what you got to deal with. If that's who they play in those games, that's what you got to deal with. That's just what it is. And so for that, Deuce has stepped up in those, in those moments and has played well. Has shown the pass-catching ability, has shown the vision, has shown the tackling ability, has shown the ability to get into the end zone. That's what you want from a player. That's what you want from a player. But again, I, 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 I have not put all of my cards into the Deuce Vaughn basket yet. I, I got a couple. I got a couple eggs in a Deuce Vaughn basket. Again, I think he's very elusive. I think he has great vision. And what they, and what they want to do with this West Coast offense, I, I think it's something that, you know, maybe they found a place for. But you have to understand that it, there, is, there is a lot that goes into those 48 jerseys that get handed out on game day each and every week. As far as the game planning. And size will come into play with that.
So I'm not saying that Deuce Vaughn, um, I'm not saying that Deuce Vaughn ain't it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's at the still of the draft. I, I just, I need more. I, I, I need more. Okay? Call me greedy. I just need a little more. I, 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 need, I need a little bit more from the coaching staff. I need a little bit more from just seeing him play against the, the, the top-tier competition. I need him in those first quarters. I need him in those second quarters. I need him in those spaces where the guys that he's playing against are guys who are already kind of guaranteed significant roles. We'll see what happens. We've got one more preseason game. We sometimes forget that, you know, that fourth preseason game, what it matter, did it doesn't matter, you know, and I, and I get what the I get I understand the players. I was I was one of them. And you don't want that fourth preseason game because of concussions and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, cool. But there's an evaluation process that needs to happen. There's an evaluation process that needs to happen. And Mike McCarthy has taken the approach on this year, no joint practices. So you don't get a chance to see him against someone else's ones. I always, I always like the joint practice outside of the fighting. I, I can do without the fighting. That, 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 that's, that, that's, that's tiresome. That's, that's worrisome. That's, that's one of those deals where you're just like, all right, come on, guys. Let's, let's, come on. Let's, it's hot. You heavy. I'm heavy. We both ain't seen our old lady in weeks. Our nuts heavy. We, we, we horny. We testosterone is through the roof. But I enjoy those joint practices because it gives guys like Deuce Vaughn an opportunity that, that you know, because coaches are always trying to say that I want to I, I want to keep my offense vanilla. I don't want to show anybody anything. I don't want to <laughs> stop. That, that is the biggest, that is the biggest load of crap ever. Outside of a couple creative plays here and there, Mike McCarthy, you are who you are. And there's film on it. Outside of a different couple formations, defensively, Dan Quinn, you are who you are. And there's film on it. Each one of these coaches come from a fundamental base. Whether that's a 4-3 or 3-4 or cover 2 or cover 3, who Dan Quinn is, who Dan Quinn is. And there's a long film study on it. And again, within that, there is configuration. Who Mike McCarthy is is who Mike McCarthy is. It's a long film session on it. His base offense is his base offense. The West Coast, whatever you want to call it, the three four, the the the, the Tampa two that you know, uh, uh, you know, guys like uh, uh, teams that teams that teams run before. Um, Dan Quinn's a cover three guy. Always been a cover three guy. That's what he likes to run. Zone cover three. Eyes in the backfield. Uh, it didn't change. It didn't change. Players change. It helps when you got Michael Parsons. That helps. That helps significantly. It helps when you got good players like Stephon Gilmore. That helps. That helps significantly. It helps when you got guys like Trayvon Diggs and Curse. That helps. But who you are is who you are. So when, when they say that they don't want to show things in preseason and show things, I get it, okay, but you are who you are. That don't change. And, 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 and your, your, what you're planning on mixing into that 
fundamental foundation of who you are, well, you're going to do it week one or week two or week three. By the second half of the season, by the second time you play your division rival, they're going to know who you are as an offense. They're going to know who you are as a defense. So it, it's going to be revealed. Cool. But I, I, I just, I, I like those I like for guys like Deuce Vaughn. I like for guys like Dak Prescott. I like for guys like CeeDee Lamb to get a couple reps in during these preseason. I, I like the idea of these joint practices because you get ones on ones. You get you get good on good. You get another team who you haven't seen or who doesn't who doesn't know what you're going to do each and every day like, day, like your defense does or your offense does, depending on what side of the ball you want. I love the fact that you get a chance to, to, to go up against that. In a controlled atmosphere. That's okay. That's fun. That's competitiveness. That is the nature of the beast. So when, you, when I see guys like Deuce Vaughn get those second half reps, I'm like, ugh. As a, as a guy, listen, as a guy, okay, totally transparent, unfiltered like this, that he says, as a guy who was in those second half reps, I know what that means. I was trying to fight for the first half reps. I was trying to fight to get in those positions where the coach was saying, like, all right, take your pads off now. That's a good feeling. That's a feeling when you know, hey, dog, I might got a job. <laughs> I might got a job. Coach said I can take my pads off after the first half. I ain't got to play the second half. Coach said, I'm good. I, that's what you strive to get. But those guys that I'm not saying this is Deuce. I'm not saying that Deuce is on the bubble. I'm not saying that whatever. I'm just saying as a person who understands what those second half reps stood for, you were fighting for your life. I was fighting for my life in those second half reps. Just thinking, man, I hope this offensive line hold up. So that quarterback could throw me the ball. Because if that offensive line is bad, that ball coming out quick, it's going to be a check down. I ain't going to get a chance to showcase my skills. And the guy across from me, guess what? He's fighting for his life. He's fighting for his everlasting life. That's the nature of the beast in these games. So when I see dudes in those atmospheres, I think to myself, I know that competition level. That ain't that ain't that ain't the ones. That ain't even the twos. That's the threes and the that's the threes and the guys who are gonna be selling insurance in a couple months. So that's why I am the way that I am when it comes to Deuce. And I'm okay if I'm wrong. I'm okay if I'm wrong and Deuce comes out and he's like. I, I, he's the next. He's the next Barry Sanders. Great. I'm okay. I'll, I'll sit in front of you guys and say, oh, "Hey, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I was deuces. Deuces loose. Let him go." But that's just yet to be seen. And I know that we do the comparisons to a guy who went to K State, guy who played in the league, and Darren Sproles, smaller guy. But just check the numbers. Go and check the numbers. Darren Sproles was running back three behind Michael Turner and LaDainian Tomlinson when he was in San Diego. 
his first couple years, he didn't have over 300 yards rushing. Now, as a receiver, that's something different. But we're talking about a brand of football that has changed. You see, back then, they were, they were two tight ends, one tight end, two receivers. It was 21-12 personnel, a lot, a lot. So when they would motion him out, it was different. He's running routes against guys like Junior Seau and, 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 and Ray Lewis and, you know, the bigger, bulkier guys. The, the league was different then. The league was a league that was a fullback, full-time, tight end, full-time, blocking tight end, full-time, 21 personnel, 12 personnel. Teams wanted to run the ball 26, 30, 35 times a game. The league isn't what it is today when Darren Sproles was doing his thing. Now, when Darren Sproles got to New Orleans and got with Sean Payton, the league was evolving. It was changing. But a lot of what Darren Sproles was able to do was in the passing game. And that was with that particular coach and Sean Payton. And now you look at to where the, 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 the league is, is, I mean, ain't a lot of 12 or 21 personnel no more. 11 personnel. 10 personnel. 01 personnel. And let's not forget, the Cowboys are playing Tony Pollard $10.1 million dollars. When Josh Jacobs signs his franchise tag, he'll be tied as the fourth or fifth highest paid running back in the league. The whole league, Craig. You think they want to split carries with that? No. They want their money worth. They want to take Tony Pollard and get every single stinking dime out of him. Because guess what they ain't going to do next year? They ain't franchising him. They ain't paying him another $10 million guaranteed. That ain't market price. Market price is what you're starting to see now, guys. Primetime guy, Dalvin Cook, $6 million. $7 million. $6 million with the opportunity to make $8 million with incentives. So they ain't not trying to take, they're not, they not franchising Tony Pollard again next year. They're going to let him walk. So this year, they're going to say, we're going to run the hell out of this 10.1. You're going to get everything out of this 10.1. So finding the spot for Deuce, where are the reps coming from? I have to give up a jersey on game day. That's going to be difficult. But we'll see. We'll see. In this West Coast offense, we'll, we'll see what it is. And, and, and that's, another, that's another thing. The West Coast offense, what does it mean? Will the quarterback be able to finally adjust to what they're doing? When you look at Dak Prescott, it's, it's quarterback change. I mean, quarterback coach change, offense coordinator change, head coach change. There's so much change that happens around Dak Prescott. And then you wonder why things don't matriculate and, 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 and results at the end of the year. In, and some of it's his fault, but a lot of it is, is, is other people's fault. And now that they're in the West Coast offense, this is a staple of what, like I said earlier, who Mike McCarthy is, who's Freaky Mike, that's what I call him, who Freaky Mike is. This is a staple that he's run his whole life. And so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. Because you hear the quarterback talk about it all the time. He said, well, what makes this West Coast or Texas Coast offense different? He talks about, well, one of the things that this is Dak Prescott, one of the things that we, we worked on this offseason is timing, fully understanding. I laughed at that too. Um, I don't know if that's a subtle shot. Pew, 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 pew. 
at Kellen Moore of having an understanding of where guys are supposed to be. It's the National Football League. What do you mean they don't know where they're supposed to be? This ain't, this ain't at Dak. This is at whoever the hell is in charge. Guys don't know where they're supposed to be? Guys don't know when they're supposed to be there? Guys don't know when they're supposed to get their depths? Guys don't know where they're at in the progression? What the hell are we doing? The, this is the National Professional Football League. So they spent all this time in the offseason now with this Texas Coast offense, and they're saying, well, we understand now. Now. We, 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 we know where we're supposed to be. We know where we're supposed to be going. And, and, and that's, that's going to be crucial. Crucial. Because unlike what Dak has played in the last couple years, and you can call it the number systems, the the Air Coriel offense. It, it's 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 been around. It's been around for a long time. And one of the issues that I, I saw that this this offense had last year, and while teams had no problem being able to defend them, and, and those those teams that had really good defenses that they had to face, the Niners and such. All the Niners were saying was, we're just going to play zone. We're going to play zone. We're going to rush four. We're going to rush five. And then you're going to run that same simplistic offense. And you're going to keep trying to run these man routes. These routes that are designed for when it be one-on-one coverage. Right into our zone. And we're going to just read the quarterback eyes and pounce and jump them. And you'll have some success. You, you, you'll complete some passes, but we'll keep the game close. We'll be within three, within seven, and our time will come. There'll, there'll be a drop. There'll be a tip pass. There'll be an incompletion. There'll be a sack. There'll be a hurry, and then you'll get to a, a definite passing situation. And because, like I said earlier, any and every offensive coordinator, offensive coach, or Defensive coordinator, defensive coach, they have a foundation of who they are. They have a set play, they have a set of plays of who they are. They have an offense or a defense of who they are, of what they like, of when they want to run it. And a lot of times it's it's known. But what happens is your Jimmies and Joes are a little bit better than their Jimmies and Joes. So the X and O's don't really matter. They can know what's coming, but can you stop it? And when you don't have the ability to do so, when their Jimmys and Joes on defense is better than some of the ex- the Jimmys and Joes on your offense, and your X's and O's aren't significant enough to beat their X's and O's, they win. They win. And you saw that with the Niners two years in a row. We'll keep the game tight. We'll keep it close. We don't have to have the greatest quarterback in the world. We have a really good defense. And we'll just keep the game within the puncher's chance. And then we'll wait till you fail. We'll bait you into failing. And I'm not a Dak Prescott hater. 
I think Dak Prescott is exceptional. I think Dak Prescott is one of the most mentally tough, resilient, incredible human beings that are is walking the face of this earth. I do. With everything that he has been through. Mom passing from cancer. His mental health battles. I am a mental health advocate. I am a mental health battler. Losing his brother to suicide. The onslaught of criticism that he gets. Some deserving, some not. The unfair, unbalanced scrutiny that he gets from the national media, the clickbait from those media pundits, those media personalities. Who Dak Prescott is as a quarterback, really good. Not elite. Not elite. That's a category reserved for a select few. And, and and honestly, if 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 your team is coached right, if your team is prepared right in certain situations, in certain matters, you don't actually always need the elite. Now, now don't get me wrong. Don't get don't get Jay Holly wrong. I want an elite. Elites are good. Elites cover up a lot of mistakes. You think it's hard for Andy Reid to coach? When you got elite, when you got Patrick Mahomes, I watch Mike McCarthy take those Green Bay teams year in and year out. Remember, they lined up Ty Montgomery at running back. Number 88, and they were successful. You know why? <laughs> they had a bad man over there. They had a bad awaska, ahaska, whatever he was sniffing or smoking or dark room dungeoning out. He's a bad dude. A-A-Ron? When you elite, things are different. You're able to do things differently. You don't need everything to be everything because they make up for it. I'm all for quarterback friendly. I'm all for quarterback weapons. But it's, it's, we've come to the point now where, where Dak, he has to take this team to the next step. And, and in this West Coast, and I want to break the West Coast offense down a little bit. And I'm, I got my notes because I'm just not going to just tell you what I know. I never played quarterback before. So it's always good to have notes. And it's always good to be able to reach out to people and have relationships. Relationships are good people. It ain't always about money. It ain't always about what can you get from it. Sometimes the relationship is further and grows further than the money could ever take you. When people say, you know what, I actually like that person. I like that dude. I like that girl. I'm going to help them. 
So I have relationships. So I reached out to a couple of people in my relationship circle. No orgies, just relationships. And, and I asked two former NFL quarterbacks. I asked an offensive coordinator at the collegiate offensive coordinator at the collegiate level about this West Coast offense. And I and I and I took their answers and I because I wanted five keys. My, my, and I said this to all of them, I said, I need five keys or five winning principles to the West Coast offense from the quarterback position and how this impacts who Dak is, how this impacts who this, how this offense will work. And I took all the information, I gathered it up, and a lot of them said some of the same things, give or take a word or two, but kind of gave me this uh, list, five. I asked for five keys or winning principles when it came to the quarterback perspective in the West Coast offense and how this will fit to how to Dak Prescott. And you've heard him say in many interviews, you know, this offense is tied to my feet. The West Coast offense is a quick-hitting offense. The West Coast offense is an offense that gets the ball out rapido, fast. Gets the ball to playmakers in space. They have to have that. The timing has to be there. From what they said last year was people didn't know where to be, when to be, how to be. That was the central focus this offseason offensively for this team. And so the, the keys that I got, from this, from these quarterbacks, offensive coordinators that are running, have ran the West Coast offense. Key number one is being able to count to four. The whole system is pretty much progression reads. One, two, three, four. When the quarterback gets to the line of scrimmage, being able to see what's happening, but also know what is my progression says. Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Number two, short game accuracy. The system is based on quick to intermediate passing game. The ball comes out quick. Slants. You're going to see a lot of slant combinations. You're going to see a lot of flat routes. You're going to see a lot of quick hitting to intermediate. The ball comes out quickly. What does that mean? You got to be able to get to your spots. You have to be able to recognize as a receiver, when I line up, is it man, is it zone? Where are the drops going to be? How can I be quarterback friendly? How can I get to the space of open areas so that quarterback can see my numbers and deliver the ball to me right now? Because it's short game accuracy. Quarterback, your feet have to be right. This is the part when, when Dak talks about my feet. When the ball has to come out quick, it's not the arm strength. This is not power. This is not power. We're not talking about throwing the ball 60, 70 yards on the knee. We're talking about accuracy. That's mechanical. It's are my feet 
my eyes, my hips, my shoulders, are all those things in line. One of the greatest things that I've ever got a chance to witness during my time in New England, uh, I, I set a locker over from the great Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady, it was uh, Deion Branch, and it was your boy Jay Holly. He's a football god. I touched the hem of his garment. That's biblical, right? I touched his garment. It was in the same, I breathe the same air that Tom Brady breathed. He sweat on me. <laughs> and every day at the end of practice, we would get back to the locker room, and Tom Brady would have a chair. And in this chair, it was like a it was like a throne. No, I'm lying. It was a simple chair. And in this throne of a chair that the god of football, the arguably the best quarterback to ever strap on a jock strap. The best quarterback to ever put his hands under the nuts of another man. Tom Brady. Every day in this chair, there were a couple things. There were tape cutters. He wore those big blocky cleats, and they always taped his cleats up and his ankles up. There was a towel. Yes, the God sweated. Believe it or not, the God sweated. There was a chocolate milk. The God was parched. Though he walk on water, he drank chocolate milk. And there was an iPad. The God liked to watch Netflix. No, he didn't watch Netflix. But there was a there was a tape cutter, there was a towel, there was a chocolate milk, and there was an iPad. Every single day, we get we get out of practice. Practice is over, you do your little after practice work, you get back inside, boom, every single day, clockwork, that was in his, that was in his shape, his chair. The only one. So day after day after day of training camp, I'm saying, damn, what is he watching on this iPad? Because at the end of training camp, at the end of practicing training camp, you, you practice, you go in, there's time allotted for you to shower, if there's media obligations, to eat. And then you didn't go and review the film. You just got finished practicing. That, that's it. And then after that film is reviewed, you start, you start your, your, your progress for tomorrow's install. So every day at the practice, what is he watching? What is he looking at? So one day, curiosity got the cat. And I said, I'm just going to go over there and ask him. So I go over there. He's sitting in his locker. And I go, I go, T. He says, what's up, peasant? No, he didn't say that to me. He did call me. No, he never called me a peasant. I wouldn't have played that. The God would have got punched in the face. And they would have, they cut me anyway, but they would have cut me faster. But I'd have got my lick in. But no, I went and I asked Tom. I said, bro, what are you watching? We just got off the practice field. We're about to eat and go watch practice. What are you watching? And he said, come here, Jess. Sit at the right hand of God. And so I sat. And he showed me his iPad. And in this iPad, it was a camera. The camera angle wasn't from the top, wasn't from the side, wasn't from the front. 
<laughs> excuse me, this camera angle was from the back. And it was just on him. It didn't show the rest of the play. It didn't show it. It was just on him. And in that, he showed, he said to me, he said, here's what I want you to see. He goes, every single day, I want to make sure that my feet, my head, my shoulders match up with the throw. If I'm taking a three-step drop, is my three-step where it's supposed to be? Am I stepping in the bucket? Am I overstepping? Am I overreaching? Is my base solid? If I want to go right, do I look the safety off left? Are my shoulders and hips open properly? It was like heads, shoulders, knees, and toes of this progression. And the Patriots run a semblance of the West Coast offense. And so Tom was talking about his feet. And you hear Dak talk about his feet, his head, his shoulders. All of that matters in this short, quick, precise passing game. Because the thing that you have to realize, when you go into the short, accurate, precise, intermediate to short passing game is, a lot of people around. Linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks, everybody's in that box when you're talking about short to intermediate. So if you're off, you might throw it to the wrong person. If you're high or behind, it gets tipped. And it's not like it's 40 yards down the field. Well, it's maybe just your receiver and the cornerback, maybe it's safety coming over late. There's people all around. There's defensive ends that are, that are retracing their steps, getting back into the play. There's linebackers all around. There's nickelbacks. There's dimes. There's corners. There's safeties that are all around. So the accuracy needs to be precise because those windows open and they close. And if you're off because your feet are not right or your shoulders are not right and you're overstepping, you're overthrown, now that ball sails, it's tipped and it's intercepted. So the second part was that you had to have accuracy, short game accuracy, system based on quick to intermediate passing game. Third thing was great play action ball handler. I watched Aaron Rodgers, one of my favorite players. I played with Tom Brady. And when you watch them carry out of a fake, show you the ball, like it's a play action, it's running back, and pull it away, give you the fake hand, the ball still tucked away. Because I want that linebacker to think run. Take a step up, half a step. I got him. I want that DB to freeze. I got him. So I have to make sure that my now you see me, now you don't. Ball handling is where it's supposed to be. That is a part of the process. That is a part of uh, uh, what the West Coast offense is. Can Dak be a good ball handler? Can he show? Can he, can he show the ball like he's handling it off and then take it away? Can he show the hand? Number four was accurate throwing on the run. A lot of nakeds, a lot of boots, a lot of sprint outs. We used to have a play called the Jerry Rice play. It was a quick out. Quarterbacks rolling to his right. Now, for the, the fortunate thing for the Cowboys is that's a pretty good thrower on the run. 
So having the naked bootlegs, having the sprint outs, having the things where Dak is being able to roll out to his strong arm and deliver the football, great. Great. Hence why you got guys like Brandon Cooks, Jalen Tolbert, C.D. Lamb, Kevontae Turpin, guys who got speed, guys who can work well in space because we want to get it to you right now. Long handoffs, we call them sometimes. So being able to have the ball on the move, throwing on the move, offense aligned, moving with the passing, that's going to be important. And then the fifth thing was having a high school acumen when it comes down to understanding protections. There's some hot reads in this system. Just being able to understand what you see. Dak Prescott's going into his eighth year as an NFL quarterback. He damn well better be able to go to the line and decipher what coverage it is. Now, that's from the quarterback position. Don't miss the part when you talk about hot routes. That, that, a hot route is the equivalent of they are bringing, okay, what is my protection? Is my protection a five-man protection? That means five offensive linemen, center, two guards, two tackles. Do I have a six-man protection? It's a tight end in the game. Right? Do I have a seven-man protection? Backs now added into that. Another tight end is added to that. Right? Do I have max protection? That's everybody. That's two tight ends. That's back. Everybody blocking up. Because the hots and the sights come off that. If I have a simple five-man protection, center, two guards, two tackles, but they're bringing six defenders, guess what? Someone's now hot. Someone, receiver, tight end, back, someone now becomes a hot route. That means <laughs> the alarm going off. It's coming out right now. We don't have enough. They got more than we can block. If it's six defenders, six, six offensive, you know, five offensive linemen and tight end, cool. But they bring seven. We hot. So being able for the quarterback to come to the line of scrimmage to recognize here is our protection. Five man, six man, seven man protection. But also for your receivers and for your backs. This is the communication part that is necessary. Dak can't see that it's six man. It's a six man protection, and the and the receiver doesn't, because Dak's gonna say, "We got six. They bring in seven. Somebody's hot." And if he sees it and they don't see it and he throws it hot, it's probably gonna go to a guy in the wrong jersey. Sidebar, this is why I want these guys to play a little bit of preseason. Not a lot. Not a lot. You don't have the live practices. And in practice, even when you throw a pick, it doesn't really have the same consequence. This doesn't a game. Especially the first quarter, a couple series, maybe two, three. 
It's so that we can see that, so that we can see those scenarios happen in real time. And sometimes you'll see a quarterback and they'll go, he'll go thumbs up. You tell the receiver, you good. You ain't hot. But sometimes I need to be able to look out there to Brandon Cooks, to CD, to whoever, to kind of give them that or the eyes. You see what I see. Do you see what I see? It's going to be important. So those are some of the tips that I got from an offensive coordinator, two quarterbacks. One, being able to be there to count to four. The system is a pretty much progression reach. Two, short game accuracy system based on quick to intermediate passing. Great play action ball handler. When you want to take those shots down the field, got to have great play action ball handling. Number four, accurate throwing on the run. A lot of nakes, naked boots, and sprints. And when you hit naked, that just means the quarterback's uh, the quarterback is kind of rolling out by itself. There's no blockers. That's naked. That's exactly what it sounds. Booty butt ball naked. Boots, he'll have a tight end. Sometimes they'll kind of swing a, a guard or a tackle back out to have that one guy in front of them. And sprints are just coming right now. Boom. And then five, a high school acumen when it comes to understanding protections. There are some hot reads in this system. So we'll see. We'll see if Dak, if Freaky Mike, if Brian Schottenheimer and the rest of the crew, if they have this, this West Coast, Texas Coast offense down to a key. But I'd like to see them play a little preseason together. I want to I want to I want to see it. I want to see it. It's going to be important. So, but this is a big year. This is a big this is probably I know we always sometimes we get a little bit a little bit uh a little bit outstretched with the things that we say when it comes to a season. This is all year. This is all year. No, this is this is a big year though. This is a big year for the Cowboys. This is a big year for what they they have to accomplish. Because they're coming to that point in time where all these contracts are starting to catch up. Um, players are getting older. Coaches may be leaving. Things just don't, they don't, and I said this before, we'll get more to it later on. The division is getting better. See, before a long time, it was just Cowboys-Eagles. Giants are better, ladies and gentlemen. The Commanders are better, ladies and gentlemen. The Giants, uh, the Eagles, well, well, hell, no, they are. We're going from the NFC lease to the NFC beast. It's going to be a knockdown drag out of what this, this conference can be. Look at look across the league. Make your own list. I'm gonna do it. Make your own list. We'll talk about it sometime later on. Look at the top defensive linemen in all of football. Nose tackle guards, rush in, defensive ends. Look at them. Your number one probably starts with Aaron Donald. If you're doing a league across the league, then you go Michael Parsons. Then you go. 
pain. And I mean, you, you, the NFC is in the top ten. There's a bunch of spots in the top ten. From the Giants to the to the to the to the Commanders to the Eagles, it's gonna be a knockdown drag out for six games. Woof, woof. You better bring your hard hat. That's for us. That's for other teams because we 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 not the Cowboys aren't aren't slouches up front defensively, but neither is the rest of these jokers. And our line is getting older. It, it has some young pieces. It has some strong pieces, but it has some weak spots. We'll see. But let's take a let's take a trip around the National Football League. Let's just address some other stories that are happening. Keep you abreast to what's going on all over the place. Um, a happy story started out a little bit pressing. The defensive back, Isaiah Bolden, from the New England Patriots is out of the hospital. It's a good thing. Um, took a hit from a teammate during the game, was unconscious. And, and I know if you were watching this game and you're watching the highs of the game, everybody went right back to the DeMar Hamlin situation. Again, I told you guys, this is a violent sport. A violent sport. I know you got MMA and, and, and boxing and this is up there with them. This is up there with them. You get your head knocked off. It's a 100% hurt business. Fact. But he was released from the hospital. He traveled back to the team with the team. So that, that is, he was carted off the field. So again, we, we think about the Marham situation, someone who died on the football field and, 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 and shout out to the New England uh, and, and to the, to, to the, 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 the visiting team was it Green Bay. Uh, forget who it was, but their medical staff for being on Johnny on the spot. These people are important. So thank you to the medical staff for um, quick thinking, quick reacting, getting into the hospital. Thank you for the hospital people. Doing what he does, he's he's headed home. Uh, another story: Josh Jacobs reports are out right now that he's going to end his holdout and, and, and report to the team pretty soon. He was one of those guys. They had the running back meeting. It was Green Bay. Thanks. It was Green Bay. Uh, but Josh Jacobs, one of those guys. They had the running back meeting. <laughs> the running backs are being poorly paid. Absolutely. Sidebar. If you're a young player in high school or college and you happen to watch the unfiltered with Jesse Holly, thank you. But if you play running back, you might want to learn how to backpedal. They ain't paying running backs, fellas. I know it looked good in high school because you got the, you know, you got your shirt cropped up like Zeke used to have. You got the young abs. But when it comes time to making money, they ain't paying the running backs in the league. Josh Jacobs is going to end this holdout soon and sign his franchise tag, reported to be $10.1 million. These young, good running backs. You have to understand, these running backs, you waste all your good years in college. See, it's not like the NBA or, or, or MLB <coughs> or hockey or tennis where you can go play at 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, and they get the good youthful years. You get the youthful years where you can actually make money. It's changed some in college now, be with the NIL. 
But it's not significant enough. Because guys like Jacobs, see, the thing in college is you got to be three years removed from your graduating high school class to be eligible to go into the National Football League. So unless you redshirt for two years and you only play in one year and then you making a leap, that is three grueling years. And if you're if you're if you're good, if you're Bijan, if you're good like that, if you're if you're Zeke Elliott, what five hundred carries for you? Three hundred rushing, two hundred receiving. Like you gonna touch the ball a lot. Like it's coming to you a lot. You gotta pick up blocks. You gotta pick up uh 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 uh. uh you know, chips and, and, and tackles and all that. So by the time you get to the league, you got three years in, you got 1,500 carries, you, 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 you wore out. So learn how to backpedal. But Josh Jacobs ending his holdout, and, uh, I mean, 10.1, I mean, I'm broke, so I'll take 10.1. But I ain't playing running back, so that's just that's just what it is. And then uh, Joe Mixon, another running back. Uh, Joe Mixon, who signed a contract before and just took a pay cut for the team. Team? Okay. But Joe Mixon declined to talk to certain media outlets. Those media outlets, Sports Illustrated, Cincinnati Inquirer, Pro Football Network, and ESPN. Recently, uh, Joe Mixon was cited for a misdemeanor aggravated menacing. Police claimed that Joe Melkson pointed a gun at a young lady and claimed that he would shoot her. Well, he just was uh, cleared of all of those charges, not guilty. And, 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 and my speculation is that Joe Mixon was a guy who and that has a little history. Joe Mixon was, was the guy in Oklahoma who punched a girl in the face. It was reported racial slurs are being spewed back and forth between one another. And she slapped Joe Mixon, and Joe Mixon punched her in the face and fractured bones in her face. That's on his record. But I, I get Joe Mixon's frustration. As someone who now sits on the media side, as someone who sat in the player side, media at times, especially if you got a history, especially if it's salacious. Did I say that right? Salacious? Salacious. If it's salacious, they're going to write it in big print. They're going to write it in big print. It's going to be the leading story. Because as we know, drama, negativity sells. And so these reports are probably being written by the Inquirer, Cincinnati Inquirer, Pro Football News, ESPN, Sports Illustrated. And Joe probably felt like he wasn't being represented right or fairly. I get it. One, you know, you, you want to keep yourself out of that nonsense. But two, you know, Sometimes these reporters have to make these tough calls and these questions and they write these stories not because they want to. It's because they got a boss behind them that says you better write it. Or you're not going to have a job. See, most people don't sit at the throne like Stephen A where he can kind of call out his house. But even still, he has bosses. 
where you can say things and can't say things. Where you have to write things and can't write things. So Joe a little tight. Joe a little butthurt. I feel him. Because sometimes things get written and, and, they, and they, slang, they, they, they slander your name and they say bad things about you. And then when it comes out that you're innocent, not guilty, that you actually were on the right side of the law, From those same people who wrote those loud stories. So I get it. I get it. Joe can be a little bit butthurt. But you got to remember sometimes that it ain't always the people. Sometimes it is the people. We have some nasty, vile, evil people that roam this earth. And the likes of social media and these different platforms have given them the opportunity to say and write and do different things that they, they necessarily probably should get smacked in the mouth for. I don't condone violence, but sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes smacking fire up out of somebody is necessary. It's a necessary evil. I don't condone violence. I do condone correction. However that comes. But there's a penalty for that. Be willing to pay for it. Um, so yeah, so 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 we'll see. We'll see if Joe kind of breaks, but he probably won't. But sometimes the media's on, we're only doing our job, Joe. I'm on the media now, okay? I'm for the media. I'm the new media. That's what the young people say, the new media. I'm new media, Joe. I'm here to tell your side of the story. I'm the new media. But uh, yeah, man, that's all I got. That's it for me. I am... Um, I had fun. This is this is if you're watching this, this is episode one. Thank you. This is episode one. I don't know what the future holds. I don't even know there's gonna be an episode two. I hope. <laughs> but I had fun. Like, subscribe, follow me on all social media platforms. Um, get to know me. Get to hate me. Get to love me. But this is. This was fun. This this was fun. Um, I enjoyed this. I look forward to this. This gives me purpose in life. Um, and again, like I said at the beginning of the show, do it. Do it. Do it. Whatever it is. That shorty that you that you that you that you thinking about to hollering at, jump in those DMs. Yeah. That man that you see at the gym, ask him to help you with that set, girl. Ask him out for a glass of wine. Do it. Make it happen. All right, man. That's it for me. Thank you. Do all that cute stuff. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. And uh, until next time, man, um, never let anyone tell you that you don't live the best life because it's your life. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.